Hey y'all, welcome back to another edition of Chats from the Blog Cabin, the show where I invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life. I'm Melissa and I'm your host. Today we're chatting with Andy. Now, Andy is a really cool concept that what he did. Um, as you can tell during the interview, he's a jack of all trades. He has many varied interests, but one of the things that's really cool is that he actually um, took pictures through his computer of people during Corona. And it's called Corona Couplings. And I thought this was really cool idea. And I hope you really enjoyed this interview. It's something that we, thinking about 10, 15 years ago, we would not have been able to do this. And as um, Patrick Quinn said on one of the episodes earlier, is that we are in a time of technology. And 10 or 15 years ago, if the pandemic had happened, we would have not have been able to do all the Zoom and do all the meetings and and we would have been more isolated because internet would not have been where it is today. So I really hope you enjoyed this interview and you know what I need you to do? That's right. Start listening. Welcome back to another edition of Chats from the Blog Cabin. Today, I am joined by photographer Andy. Andy, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself before we start talking about the projects that you have going on right now? All right, I will stop and then, or start, and then in 30 minutes, you can cut me off uh, as the <laughs> words fall out of my face. Um, I'm Andy Bano. Thanks for having me. Uh, let's see. I guess the the easiest way to describe myself is I make up true stories. Um, and that comes out in different ways in different types of work. So that might be um, working in marketing. It might be writing um, nonfiction and yet making up true stories. It comes out in my photography. Um, it comes out in my sloppy, uh, any kind of sloppy painting or sketching that I do. Um, I, I like people a lot. And I am a people watcher and I like to, um, yeah, it's not so much coming up with uh, huge universes of like fantasy fiction, but I like writing about what what I see people do. I It fascinates me how we tick. Um, sometimes it infuriates me because my pride wants to say, you're a logical creature. And then evidence, um, both of a lifetime of my own evidence and then uh, psychologists for decades have said, no, 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 human beings, in fact, are quite illogical most of the time. So what do I do? I make up true stories around about the world around me. So you make up true stories, like give us an instant, a true story that you made up. Oh my goodness. Uh, well, anything that sounds well, this, this book, uh, Corona coupling is, is full of true stories. Um, 
here's a specific example. I would talk about something that could have happened or, or a mixture of things that happened to me and to my boys who are now teenagers. Um, if I wanted, if I was leading a workshop about how to design bike lanes, for example, not just bike lanes for, um, they call them mammals, middle-aged men in Lycra, not just like the superstar cyclists that zip down in, in a skinny lane beside you or that you see them out in the countryside riding, but ordinary people. Like I'm a Gen Xer. I grew up riding my bike to the pool or to the library or to the playground or whatever. So if I'm leading a workshop, guiding people to come up with some, some idea about how to design stuff, or I want to persuade them, you know what? We've got to slow cars down in order to make it safer to walk and to ride bikes. Then I'm going to come up with an anecdote about the, li the little old lady that I saw trying to cross the street and how she had to wait so long. I'm just going to describe something that could have happened. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not going to claim that it happened, but describe something that could have happened. And then I'll back those things up with sometimes with images. I would take my own kids out and use them as uh, guinea pigs. Um, Imagine, imagine this boy, eight years old, trying to cross the street. Sure, there's a sidewalk there, but how's, is he really going to get across those eight lanes of car traffic? Mm. Um, so sometimes it had to do with very serious things like that, like how we plan and design the environment around us. And then other times it's just uh, playful things around, um, you know, like like what, some of the things that we're going to talk about today, like just entertaining people. Um, but again, I think a reason why people like things, things like reality TV, for example, I don't, I don't watch it, but I get it. I get that people want to see a, an exaggerated take on someone's real life. Yeah, I see that too. Now, have you always been a creative since you were little? Cause you talked about, you like to draw, you like to write, you like to take pictures, everything. So have you always been that creative? Uh, yes. And, and then, well, I get, yes, I was always making. And then I was um, like most other people who get the uh, creativity uh, or there's an attempt in in schooling to squash creativity, mm -hmm. uh, to be like <laughs> to fit into the society's categories. Um, my parents did not try to crush me in any way. Uh, they laughed at my jokes. So that was that was fun. Um, but I it was crystal clear to me that adults were telling me these things like you can't go in these directions when you're a grown up. If you're going to you're going to have a job, so first you need to finish this school and then you're going to have to go to another school and then you're going to have to sit at another desk, but you'll get to dress up more and then you're going to sit at that desk all day every day forever until you die. And so um that the idea that creativity could be something that uh, draws a living, uh, just, I, I just assumed there's no way. Um, at the same time, I was exposed to things like, uh, Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor stand up way before I should have been exposed to them. Uh, thank you, GJ neighbor across the street, whose dad had <laughs> HBO. Um, <laughs> but I, it, there was always something going in the back of my head, like, but some people, can earn money by using their mouth. Like some people just talk and then they get to go buy groceries and then they go do it again. And over time, I realized as I was getting older and older, the type of work that I was doing that would separate me from others and that was drawing in income 
had to do with creativity. So I, even in my twenties and thirties, I wasn't, I wouldn't describe myself to others as a creative person. Um, I just, I just happened to be using things that had nothing to do with my immediate environment as anecdotes or uh, fuel for my own personal fire to do something different or, or the way in which I asked questions like, why do we do this? Why is this process in place? Um, so yeah, that's, it, it was never in, in hindsight. Now I'm the first person that, uh, at a parent teacher kind of conference, they're going to put earmuffs on because, or, or university students, if they're asking me for advice as now I'm old enough to be on the mentor side of the table. Um, I'm that guy that's saying, look for all the options outside of this school building. <laughs> oh, wow. I bet you they don't really like that too much. This is the <laughs> university, right? <laughs> It's uh, it's an it's a challenge I am ready to take to continue taking on. Oh, you said I, continue I, taking on. So have you taken on that challenge? Oh yeah, I. The opinions don't stop flowing. If uh, if somebody's going to open that door, uh, I'm happy to share. And I I don't pretend that there's a single solution for everyone. But what I love to do when, when I ask why questions of people or what if questions, it could be about an art project or it could be um, about a bike lane. Like I was saying, any, any kind of thing. Um, what if son of mine, who's now 17 years old, what if you just wrote that book that you've talked about? You're always writing. What if you typed it up? You're an, ex an excellent uh, artist. You draw a cover, design a cover, or I'll do one for you. And then we throw it up on Amazon. We don't have to ask anybody's permission. We don't have to wait until someone says, okay, now you're next in line. You may go ahead and publish a book. Just do it. Maybe nobody buys it. Maybe two people buy it. Maybe you're a couple friends at school buy it. And then maybe a few years from now, you're doing these kinds of things. You're making something and you're selling something. So just finding that kind of uh, market exchange is something that we know exists because we come home from work and we open up our computers and we all do it. Mm -hmm. We're going on Amazon and Pinterest and Instagram and we're looking for ideas about what to buy next and what to do next. What if we were the ones who were putting out that information and we were the ones who were selling the ideas, the, teaching other people how to do these things or making the products uh, and solutions that other people were buying. So it's, it's not about, uh, encouraging people to drop out for the sake of dropping out. So you can say, maybe I'm the next Bill Gates. Maybe I'm the next Steve Jobs. It's not about that. It's about maybe you should save yourself from four years of being hidden from the real world and just start making things. Oh, I love that idea. Now let's talk about making things. You made an amazing book called Corona Coupling. Let's talk about that. How did that idea come about? First of all, that, um, that was an interesting. So there were a, there were a handful of things bouncing around in my head. Um, it's a it's a crowded place. This head, um, but last summer, um, it, no, it because now we're in twenty twenty one. So it would have been the previous year. This is way back. This is summertime, way back in pre COVID age. If you're watching this later, um, I was with a small group of friends hanging out at a lake. Um, when you wouldn't get arrested for going to a lake in the US. Uh, one of the women was telling us about her experience with dating apps. And 
I've known several people over the over the years. I mean, even going back to pre apps when it's just websites who have um, found their significant other through these platforms. So. I, I, I'm just listening. There's zero judgment. I'm fascinated by these things because I haven't used them, but I'm fascinated by them as a way of connection. Uh, I'll interrupt myself again and say one thing I've always told my kids and I'm constantly telling anybody with ears, the internet is amazing. So I love these kinds of things. So she's telling us uh, about these, these dating apps and it just it's just information. It's just going into my ears and it's just sitting in the back of my head, I guess. And then a few months later, there was some other event and we were hanging out again and so the same woman was giving an update on a couple of the guys that she was interested in. And then, you know, that just sits back and uh, more time goes by. But then the, the coronavirus lockdowns start. So at that point, I think back about her and I think she might as well have been dating someone on another continent. Um, martial law does not care about your romantic relationships, right? So it got me thinking um, about people who are forced to be separated from loved ones, whether it's a dating relationship or um, a committed long-term relationship, just this idea that you are not allowed to choose. You may not go be with that person. And I, I started, I was thinking again, I mean, as, as these ideas were bouncing around, I was thinking again about what I tell my kids, the internet is amazing. Um, and I've been, a remote worker for a long time, for years. So things like video conferencing uh, is not new to me. And even when I've worked with companies that are just a few miles from where I live, I've still been remote. I just, I like the idea of being able to work wherever there's internet. Um, but then suddenly it, it becomes a household routine, right? You, like you and I are doing right now all over the world. And so I just, I was thinking, what if I make up true stories about quarantine couples? And, and what would that look like? And, and uh, would I just, I, I don't ever like using stock photography, but I, as a starting point, I was just imagining um, what would it look like? What, what would a, a layout of a book look like? Um, on this, you know, this, like I mentioned before about permission, I, I'm not one, I'm not bashful. So I'm not going to wait and kind of test the market to see, uh, am I allowed to produce a photo book? Like, what is a photo? What? How many how many images must you have? Um, I've I've made them over the years several in different sizes and shapes and and different topics, and I just like it. I I, I like making those kinds of things, uh, even if there's only a couple people that ever look at them. Um, but this idea of of couples, what it would be like, uh, got with me, and and so then I just thought, well, I'll just. I'll just start doing it. So I, I imagine in my mind, what would this look like as a gallery experience? If I, not a formal gallery, but if I was just going to a kind of a, what's becoming more of a, a norm in 21st century life where 21st century life, what, what a century am I talking? I don't even know, but <laughs> modern day in modern day, you go to, you go to a brewery, you go to a cidery, you go to um, some local like first Fridays uh, events are mm -hmm. common around the country where they shut down some street, or I, I should say open up streets to life. Um, it's common to have some kind of artistic gallery experience. So I was thinking, what would it look like if I was walking through an environment where I had these large portraits, um, what would, what style portrait would they be? And why would they be there? Why would anybody care? And what would, what would some of the written stories be like? Like, would I have just an overall story arc that ties mm -hmm. this all together? And what would the little story arcs be? And, and as I got thinking about that, I realized this is very similar. This, these ideas are, 
are similar to ideas that I've had about photography for several years. I I am an internal optimist about just about everything. So I will find I I will find the smiles in in any community that I'm going through. And I, I will I will talk like if we're talking about city planning and, and economic development, I will ask things like, well, how could we measure the smile density? Um, like, I, I want to see happy, healthy, vibrant places. And so this oozes through uh, a photography project. So I thought, well, if I was doing these kinds of things, if I just imagining a final product, not how to get there, it would be playful, flirtatious kind of things. I would want to experience, I, I would want to view this as if I was the significant other. Mm -hmm. So then my next immediate thought was, well, how many people? Is it three people? Is it 10 people? Is it one image per person? Is it like one big one and five little ones? Um, and then I would, I would cut myself off from thinking any further. And I would just think, I, I'll just start doing it. I'll start pulling this together. And then as I go, kind of like digital scrapbooking, I'll sort of lay things around the monitors and see how does this, how does this work? What is, what comes of it? And then at the same time, um, as, as I'm making this happen, the different environments that end up being shot uh, remotely, what do they look like? Because that will certainly inform. So my, my thought was, an in-person experience, something like a gallery that you would walk through and just as, you know, a, as catchy a phrase as I could think of. So Corona coupling um, would be the idea. And so that's where, that's where the idea, which then turned into this not small uh, eight by 10 book. Yeah. Yeah. This sucker is, is big. Um, that's where it came from. It just kept growing. It got to the point where I had to turn down people um, because there were just, too many people said, that sounds like an awesome idea. I've never heard of anything like that. I want to be part of that. Um, and so that's, that was kind of the, that was how it got started. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll stop talking and uh, so, so that you can have a chance to talk. <laughs> so when did you, when did your interest in photography start? Cause I guess that's where we needed to start at before you actually talk about the book. When did it, your interest in that start? When did you start saying, Oh, you know what? I want to take all these pictures or I want to do, photography for a side project or a hobby or whatever? I, um, it was a long time ago. I'm not sure. I can't put a specific uh, date on it, but I would guess it was when I was still in my single digits. Um, we went, so I'm, I'm one of two. My parents have two kids, my sister and me, and we would have um, family slide night. So my dad uh, I didn't call him a photographer, but there was always a camera in the house. And whenever it wasn't just like adventures that we went on that he was taking mm -hmm. pictures, but he and his siblings, he's one of five. It was always a thing like the Banos have cameras. There are cameras around. And so my extended family also, um, it was n nobody made a big deal of it. It just kind of was some of my um, family members, I, I won't call out two uncles in particular, but uh, they 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 uh, earned a reputation of, all right, everybody scrunch in, scrunch in some more, scrunch in some more, like that classic, all the families yeah. together at the beach, let's get the pictures. But at home, there were, there were cameras in the house and my dad had slides. And so Saturday nights, we clean up dinner, 
brushed our teeth, got on our PJs, and then go choose which slides we're going to watch in what, mm-hmm. what fills up the tray. And of course, as uh, self-absorbed children, we would always want to have the slides of us when we were toddlers and infants and, you know, the mm-hmm. adorable phases, not, not uh, pictures of us from last year or two years ago, something like that. Um, so that I'm sure laid the groundwork for wanting to capture that stuff myself. Um, he also, my dad also had an eight millimeter camera and his, one of his brothers did also. And and so we, they didn't have a lot of eight millimeter films that they made, but they had enough that from time to time we would put one of those on and watch the like two minute long or four minute long, uh, home movie. And we, we could be content. My sister and I watching the same clips over and over and over again. It didn't matter. And I mean, in hindsight, it makes sense that I would like that because I like, I, I, I'm a, again, I like watching people. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's there's just something about imperfect images. Um, I don't watch anything in 4K. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of uh, of the immersive film experiences, but mm-hmm. I like um, I like imperfect kind of stuff. And so those those old film reels and slides, uh, yeah, I'm sure got me started. Um, as a teenager, we or probably in junior high, we were gifted, uh, I'm sure it was Christmas because we had matching cameras, these little plastic uh, film cameras that I'm sure were from any any uh, drugstore. And my sister and I both, like any anything that we were gonna do, if it was a beach trip or a ski trip, those, those cameras were going with us. And I don't remember who paid for the film, but I would have rolls of film and uh, and shoot on those cheap little cameras, and I never knew if the like is the flash going to go off. I don't know. Did I? I, I don't want to put batteries in it, so I guess the flash isn't going off. But I, so I didn't know about the quality of the images or ISO or just all these technical mm-hmm. details about photography. And my dad never talked about those details. I don't to this day. I haven't even asked him, uh, Dad. Do you know the uh, triangle behind photography? Do you know? Do you know the important ingredients? Um, I don't know if he knows, but. I think it was just, it was just a normal part of life, a normal extension. Um, it, it as I got into um, adult life, I was fascinated by street photography. Um, I never, uh, I never knew anyone personally that was a street photographer, so called. Mm-hmm. But I, I came across them. At the same time that I came across, probably, uh, actually, this is before being in the workplace, but uh, college age, I came across fashion photographers and street photographers at the same time. And immediately, I was in love with both of them. But of Mm -hmm. course, that's the kind of thing that you don't, as like a 18, 19, 20-year-old guy, you're not going, hey, friends, guess what I discovered? Fashion photography. This is just not a thing. Ever, it wasn't a thing back then. Anyway, um, you weren't bragging about finding. Hey, did you know there's a French Vogue and an Italian Vogue, and yeah. that all these European countries have all these versions of fashion magazines? Um, that kind of stuff uh, was amazing to me. So Richard Avedon, Helmut Newton, there are all of these people who clearly were pushing the boundaries of what was considered acceptable photography, and I was eating it up. I could not get enough of that. Um, it was, it was like a, um, I guess, similar to the behind the scenes features of your favorite movie. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, the 
the DVDs in the early years would come out and it, they either they'd be just a plain old DVD or maybe they would come with some extras. Like here's 10 minutes of behind the scenes footage. And so you would get to see, take a step back and see the person behind the camera and see the director moving his hands around and put this hand on the back of the actor and actress and say, I need you to do this and this and this. And so those, those uh, kind of unusual fashion photography and street photography kind of things that I was seeing, it was that sort of element where I could see what's really happening. What are people really doing? Um, and it, it was imperfect. So you would see a model scratching her calf or like exhaling and sort of lips were making this funny shape. Um, and, it, and it wasn't pixel perfect. It wasn't, uh, the purpose was not to advertise lipstick. And so you have to see every little uh, line and it has to be these perfect, mm -hmm. everything perfect. Um, so that that was something that was growing in me. And then when I finally um, had my own kind of when digital was becoming affordable for everybody, um, that combined with my older boy being born was an excuse to start my own. Uh, I'll say I'll say start my own digital empire. <laughs> Your it's, digital it's, empire. It's, it's nowhere near there, but you know, I'll declare it now, and then someday I can look back and say, on February sixteenth, twenty twenty-one, I said it was going to be a digital empire. I love that. So, digital empire. So, let's talk about your digital empire. What is your digital empire? <laughs> Obviously, photography, and what else? I think for well, I've I've done so these the handful of artistic things that I've done. Um, have gotten exposure that, it, and I'm completely unqualified for the for these things. Which is again why I encourage, whether it's my kids or anybody else that's just dabbling or or maybe even afraid. Like, well, I'm. If somebody were to say to me, "I'm 40 years old," like well, I I feel embarrassed to start a new thing. Is it? Can I start a new thing? Should I start a new thing? What will my coworkers think? All this kind of stuff. Um, just just do things, just try things. And so photography, making short films, I've made some mockumentaries, um, uh, writing, um, speaking, uh, pu like public speaking on stages, which I miss, thank, thank you, Corona. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know, it's just um, these things bring joy, it's, it's uh, they, they keep living exciting. I'll say that. Okay, so let's go back and talk about the Corona coupling. You said that you had to turn down people. How did you get people interested in the project to begin with? So I had a project a few years ago um, that I called Flirtable City, which was, again, like I, I referenced the smile, um, you know, density of smiles instead of population growth or something like that. Uh, and so I, I had this idea for um, something that was like, what if it's a, what if I do something that's a mixture of glamour and street photography? So um, again, like like some of those fashion photographers and street photographers that I had discovered when I was younger. Um, and so some of I, I was working with mo uh, models who were they weren't yet full time models, but they wanted to be. And so I started just by reaching out to them. I mean, it had been a few years and I just sent a note and said, hey, I don't know if you remember, we worked on this project together. Um, here's my idea for what I'm doing next. And so I had already before even this, back when I had this idea for Corona coupling as an in-person gallery experience, I wrote, what would that 
what would my opening statement be for that? And so I, I wrote a draft of it. And it's the, what I was sending the potential participants uh, was pretty close to what ended up being in the front of the book. Um, and so I just, I just laid it out. I said, here's, here's what's on my mind. This is the world around us. This is the concept in my mind. What do you think? And I just started getting peppered with, yeah, I love that. Let's start. When do we do it? And then it wasn't even until later um, when we would try to arrange times when people were like, well, how do we do this? And I, <laughs> which at the same time, that's what I was thinking. How am I going to pull this off? Um, but yeah, it just started that way. And then once I started reaching out to a handful uh, of people that I had already worked with, um, from there, I, I found a couple of sites. I just Googled since it had been a few years. I didn't know which would be the fastest path mm -hmm. for um, for people that want to be on display to model. Um, and so I just found a couple of sites that had free, uh, I'm all about the budget, had free mm -hmm. uh, listings for or casting calls for projects. And um, I got some traction that way. And then I, I stumbled into some hashtags on Instagram. And um, yeah, because the, the beauty of it is it didn't have to be local. So mm -hmm. I'm based in Richmond, Virginia. It didn't matter if people were in Richmond or even in Virginia. I They could be anywhere, which was, again, part of the appeal that this is impacting us. These COVID lockdowns were global. So wherever you are, if you're a human being, th the idea of a relationship, romantic or not, is a big deal. So if you're forced to be separate from people, that's impacting you in some way. And so, yeah, through these different casting call uh, sites and Instagram hashtags, um, I was just sending out the same kind of abbreviated, here's what I'm up to. Mm -hmm. And yeah, even just... I, at some point I had to, I had to say, okay, no more. I gotta, <laughs> I, gotta I gotta stop accepting. So I think, I think um, the number 54, I'm pretty sure it's 54 uh, people in the end. So I, even going along the way, I, I didn't intend for it to be that, that large at all. Um, it was half of that number. And then when I realized this is not slowing down, in fact, it's gaining momentum. I at first released this as two volumes. And so um, everybody that participated got their own copy. Uh, and then when, when I realized, oh, there's enough for a whole second, a second volume, then everybody involved got, um, got both of those. So yeah, it's, um, it's fun. And if anybody wants, I see you put a, a link up that one easy way to get there is if you go to andymadethis.com, then if you click on the link for Corona coupling, it'll take you right to a, a preview page where you can get, you can download a 30 page preview, um, no cost to get an idea. And if you want, if you, if you like what you see, then you can get a, a digital version of this humongous 200 page, 200 plus uh, page book. So yeah, so that's how, that's how it came to be. So you said they didn't have to be local. So how were you managing to take their pictures then? Or how were you able to do that? Good question. Because, Melissa, the internet is amazing. That's <laughs> my favorite thing to say. <laughs> so I will, um, let's see here, for starters, I will show you, uh, I mean, this won't come across super well, but I'll show you in a sample and then describe how it happens. So here's one. And then here's another. So this is the same person. Um, just 
setting a scene. So it says baking our favorite dessert. So what we did, since I wanted this, I, I like imperfection, like I mentioned, and I wanted this to be like memories of actual video calls. So that if you, again, whether, I mean, eventually this became clear, this is going to be a book. Um, if you're looking through it, you imagine yourself as the significant other. And so the mechanics of it were simply, we'll have a Zoom call and I will use the screen capture software to take your picture, to shoot. So I wasn't even having them, there, there are ways to connect uh, a digital camera to a computer and it's a whole thing. If, but if you don't have on, the, on your end, if you don't have that set up in place, that's time consuming, it may require you buying something. I wanted this to be just as easy as joining a video call. And so all we would do was I would have them ahead of time think about what's a scene or a, a setting that you want to recreate. So like the one I just showed you is baking. So it's just this playful, I'm going to, I'm, I'm baking something. It's, it's going to sit in the oven, you know? It, so it's just the images are around that. So she would have her computer off to the side or for some people, it was probably half and half phones and computers. Um, yeah, we just set them up and then I would take screen captures. I would direct them. So just like if we were in a studio environment or we were outside, I'm still doing the same kind of direction. Um, move the light here. Uh, you're going to do this gesture. Just slowly do this. And then it was often like I would have them hold a pose. And then it's always those, not always, but often it's the coming in and out of a pose, those in-between moments that were really fun. That's when you let your guard down. That's when you slump a little bit. That's when you... Um, yeah, you make you just make uh, gestures that are very natural looking because we've all seen them, but it doesn't feel like it's uh, picture worthy. But that ended up like the more I was doing this, the more uh, the the quicker those kinds of things would come. And then I could I could also share as as this was starting to roll, share examples with each person. Um, here's what it, here's what some of the settings with other people. So whether they were their setting was going to be um, setting the table for a, a virtual birthday meal or doing the laundry or checking on the backyard chickens, just all kinds of things. Uh, that was, that was on uh, the models. And then I, I would just kind of I'd just, yeah, direct them. I would just guide them with, with light and with angles and, um, and a little bit of posing it. But from there it's, it was them. And then as part of that, what I realized I don't remember how many people in I, before I realized this. Um, I had in my mind, you know, I, I said, if this was a gallery experience, it would be this giant arc of a story. And what would that be to get your interest? And what would be the little hooks to draw you in? Because um, I've seen plenty of of exhibits that I just walk right by and don't take a double take. And it's, it says nothing about those people's art. It could be amazing. But for whatever reason, something didn't hook me. It, maybe it Maybe there just wasn't a sign that said what it is. Um, so maybe it was too far away and my poor vision didn't capture, catch what was going on over there. Um, but I, I realized why, why should I do, I mean, yeah, I like writing and I like coming up with uh, stories about what may be going on in the scene. But what if I uh, pass that effort on to each of the participants? What would that be like? And so then I started mulling over that. What, some of these people, they're talking, I mean, we would just have short conversations. So I'm, I'm learning little bits about each person. So I, a few people said that they like writing or journaling. And so I was thinking, well, what if 
uh, they did just a mini journal, just a hundred words even, just, or less, just a single paragraph. Then it could be their stories. And so then as I was thinking on that, I thought, well, what if I simplified it even more? Because again, I want this to be easy peasy, low barrier so that people want to be part of this. Um, so then I came up with an idea to just ask after the fact, three questions and everybody, if they wanted to, they, they didn't have to, but I think I want to say there were only two people who wanted to remain anonymous and then, um, but they still participated in the questions. Uh, and, and that became the narrative. So rather than me saying, here's what you should say, or here's what your life is like during quarantine, it could become about each of these participants all around the globe. And then as I was looking at those, as they started coming in, I, I realized like maybe stating the obvious that people are people. So these, these replies are coming in uh, from Russia and Australia, and New Zealand, and all over the US, UK. I mean, they're, they're just, they're all over the place. And so many of them were so similar. In fact, it was really difficult to, to cut down from all of these tons of questions to just a handful uh, to fit in the book. Wow. Now, obviously, technology had to be your friend when you were taking these pictures. Did you ever have any glitches and stuff like that when you were setting up Zoom calls? Because, you know, sometimes everybody at the very beginning of Corona, everybody was on the Internet. So Internet wasn't as great as it should be. I did. And uh, I'm flipping through the book right now because I want to show you what I in the, the first time that it happened. Uh, I knew exactly what I was going to do with it. Um, one, there was so much technical difficulty. And again, this was rare. And, and this woman was, is in the U S she had usually strong internet, but this happened at, we had so much trouble getting started that I don't know if you can see the common message that your meeting is about to end. And so <laughs> I just, I use that as one of the shots. Uh, it says running out of time, you can buy more time or whatever. And then there, so that was one, cause I thought. This exactly. We see this all the time. This was mm -hmm. our life. Uh, and then another was in. Uh, I'm not going to I can't find it. So I'll just I'll let I'll let people find it if they uh, if they get the book. But um, somebody in Venezuela has terrible reception. And so on the screen, her image was tiny. And so rather than, I mean, things are going to be pixelated anyway, but rather than just tightly taking a screen capture of her teeny tiny image, I did the whole blacked out area with the warning sign. And it said something like um, weak connection. So I just, I embraced it because that, that was kind of the point is these are, these are memories of video calls that never happened. <laughs> oh, I love that. Now, how much editing of the screen captures did you do? I, the only editing I did was to make them all in eight by 10 dimensions. So this was, um, again, this is not pixel perfect. So this is not going in, these are not going in fashion magazines. The idea of this is, um, it's the, it's the feeling, it's the mood, it's the, um, it's that memory or, you know, make, bring out smirks or make you, yeah. if there's harsh shadows, make you lean in a little, little bit. Um, so that like from cropping point of view, that's all I did was make them the same shape, eight by 10. Um, and then the only other thing that I did to them was there's, I have a uh, particular 
fondness or attraction to high contrast black and white. And so I knew from the very start, that's, that's what this was going to be. No matter like gallery, book, uh, mobile friendly, whatever the end product was going to be, I see these kinds of things in that way, high contrast, black and white. And so I knew that was this so deep shadows. So there, there are a lot of things in here where you might, you won't see every detail. And that's the point. I, I I like people using their imagination a little bit. I like I like the brain having to fill in the gaps. I love that. And like you said, making up stories too as well, because you said you make up true stories. That kind of plays on that. Now, what was the response from the models then when they got the pictures back and they realized, wow, or did they were like, oh my gosh, you caught my bad side or anything like that? <laughs> what was their responses? It was overwhelmingly, I love it. Um I, and I think probably a thing that I have going for me with this with this project was that it's it's different. I mean, it was purposefully different, um, and they knew that going in. So nobody had nobody was under the impression that this was going to be, um, you know, a, a true glamour shot uh, because they would have been very disappointed if they got if they saw the final images. Um, yeah, they would have been very disappointed. But no, each each person there were far more there were far more shots than it, than are in the book. And so each person got all of the shots that we did. And then of those, I knew this is only, this is going to be like four or six probably per person. Uh, and that's it. So maybe somebody had 20 shots that they got to keep, but only four or five or six of them were going to be in the book. Um, but yeah, it was the response was overwhelmingly positive. Uh, and then uh, Several uh, several of the comments back were, when's the next project? <laughs> what is the next project? Wow. So what is the next project? I'm glad you asked, Melissa, because there's always a next project. The, <laughs> the idea <laughs> the idea book is full. It's uh, I, I needed um, I need to start acting on uh, the idea book is what I need to do. Um, I am I am just beginning um, another uh, I don't like to say virtual because it's real, but it is online. So I or remote. I'm do, I'm starting another remote project, but this one is going to be, um, it's it's not going to be the same kind of thing where I'm doing screen capture. I'm actually I'm working with um, some developers who have a, a platform called Shutter App, which I'm not getting paid to say that, but I love it. Uh, they're working. It's it's a new platform, so um, there's still some troubleshooting going on. But it's fantastic. It, what it does is control it. It allows us to connect. If you and I were shooting together and you're my client, mm -hmm. I have the platform on my desktop and I'm able to connect to your phone's camera. And so you just simply use a tripod and light like those normal kind of settings. Um, I can connect to your camera and then I can shoot with your camera. And so what that does is allows me to get the highest resolution that your phone allows. So if you have any kind of current phone, any brand is going to have an amazing quality camera. Uh, I mean, everybody, it, you can get an entry level Android phone and it's going to have a fantastic camera. And so the quality is going to be uh, what people would expect, I would say, as normal kind of fashion or glamour type um, pixel quality but the that's that's on the technical side the the idea uh again related to so many of the other things that in hindsight uh it turns out i like doing it's it's going to be a digital magazine called pda for public display of affection 
And that started as, um, it started as public, but then I thought, uh, this, this isn't my original thought, but I was, I was thinking around like, how am I going to fill the pages? Because I want, um, I don't want this to just be, uh, Andy does something else, uh, on his own and then pushes it out to the world. So this started as a local effort. So local as in Richmond, Virginia and Charlottesville, which is nearby, um, about an hour away. And so these two core areas have a whole bunch of artists of different types. So photographers, models, painters, sculptors, jewelry makers, clothing designers. I mean, anything that, uh, there, there's a, uh, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Brian Eno. He's a, I, I would be limiting him by calling him a musician, but I knew him for his music okay. in the eighties. Um, but he's he teaches on art life all the time. And one of my favorite quotes of his is he says, art is anything that you make that you don't have to. And, or it just and in that vein that it's, it's all the unnecessary things. Like we have to put pants on, but do they have to be a certain type? Uh, we have, we, we don't have to have a certain hairstyle, but we choose not to have certain things. Like there, there are mm -hmm. artistic decisions and everything. So I, I was thinking, I want to, I want to be a thriving artist and I want other artists to be thriving. I don't, I don't buy into the, the old uh, romanticism of starving artists. I, I think that's one of the most um, brutal uh, fallacies to think that starving artistry should be a thing ever. Um, I, I think selling out should be the goal. You, you have, you have products on the shelf or the digital shelf. I hope you sell out. I hope you're, I hope it's empty because so many people want to buy your stuff. Um, so I reached out to a handful of people, uh, different types of artists to see what would you be up for? Would you be up for some kind of collaboration? Because also at the same time, here we are coming out of, uh, COVID days. I miss people and I know I'm not the only one. So mm -hmm this would be a combination of in-person and uh, and remote kind of stuff, but what could we do? And so I was just batting around ideas um, and and I landed on one like, well, I don't know if this will be the thing. Um, there will probably be many opportunities for us to collaborate, but one is a digital magazine. I don't need, again, with permission, I don't need, I don't need to wait for everybody to have their schedules aligned for a certain day. I can make something and put it out into the world. There's nobody restricting me on how many pages or a page minimum or size or you know anything like that. I can, I can just do it. And so, PDA public display of affection is that because again, I like, uh, I like people watching and I like I like capturing uh, a couple on a park bench, mm -hmm. just the the little things like they think. They're not, they're not paying attention to what it is they're doing. So there's a little nose in the, uh, rubbing on the ear. There's a, just a little gesture on the shoulder. Um, they're making out. I mean, just all the, all the, the different um, scales, like a couple walking down the street and their hands are just lightly touching on each other or something like that, or just, you know, holding somebody back before they step off the curb because there's glass on the street. Um, those little things, uh, they make me smile. Uh, I, I think a lot of those things, maybe they make, well, not maybe, I know that they make other people smile, whether or not they've thought about the why uh, mm -hmm. or articulated it before. And so then um, I was, I was, uh, I'll say I was workshopping that idea. I passed it around to a couple, two or three people and said, what do you think? Should, is this the thing? 
Um, and then uh, one person said, yeah, it should be, um, but what if you go not just public? Cause I, I'd written down, um, is there anything besides public display of affection? Because how am I gonna, how am I gonna, this is gonna take forever. I'm gonna limit myself and it's gonna take me ages to capture affection in the streets. And so it has grown to essentially all types of affection. So public, private, personal, pet, I'm not going to write out the P's on uh, on the mm -hmm. magazine cover, but just really the uh, the idea of affection, of displaying affection, is what um, what spurs me on, and I and I like, and so it's going to be around that. So the the zine will be a combination of um, of these different artist contributions. So there will be poetry. There's going to be some images that are just for the sake of it's. It's it's pet related stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like affection with pets. Uh, some of it will be couples. Some and then just related to how this is the thing showing affection. And, and you know, it could be just documenting what's happening in your neighborhood. Like uh, we're getting bombarded with snow around the country, so shoveling your neighbor's driveway without being asked is a is a sign of affection. So, um, so that's the next thing. So as as I was um, thinking on that as a local project um i i realized again because maybe i'm a slow learner with even with my own stuff uh i could start reaching out to people again and say hey you wanted to do another remote shoot um here's the next idea uh pda and so that uh that's that's the next thing wow and i love how you said that you're capturing not only you know couples but other things as well like um the um Let's see what's the everything with the pets and everything else and random acts of kindness. It's based on that too. And I love that because I think that's what our country is craving that right now is all that. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, at the beginning, I'm, I'm an eternal optimist. I know um, there is no reason why politics have to derail our life. Why politics has to um, be a thread in us. If you don't, if you don't want politics to be in your life, you, then don't let it. And so, but what you do need in your life is some type of affection. And it could be, it, it doesn't have to be romantic. It's, it often is. Um, but that, that kind of uh, human interaction is so important, both for, I mean, doctors know both for mental and physical health uh, that this kind of thing is important. And so this will be, this next thing, PDA is going to be my playful spin on, uh, on that. And it's going to be, at least for the foreseeable future, uh, I, I imagine this being a free digital magazine, um, probably 12 pages per. And and I want, I mean, back to my comment about wanting to see thriving artists, I, I want to see people um, exposed. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe that'll make people smirk. I'm talking about public display of affection. I say, uh, here comes exposure. I, I want sure, to see yeah. people's <laughs> profiles elevated. Um, so that people get commissions, uh, grants, um, you know, whatever, whatever other kinds of opportunities, um, they sell jewelry because someone, someone sees it. Uh, I, I want to see that kind of thing happen. And so, um, this isn't like putting out a magazine so that I can charge $2 or, you know, some amount mm -hmm. for a, for a zine. It's one, I like making these things and I'm going to keep making, uh, and two, I want, I, I, artists like to collaborate. And mm -hmm. so 
I want I want people to um, kind of be part of that and and have have their uh, have their work put on display, whether it's photography or modeling or um, clothing design or whatever. I'm not going to be the only photographer uh, that's part of it. So. Yeah, I, I love that. The giving exposure to other people that are that need exposure, helping the little guy as well. I love that idea. Yeah, and you know what's funny? Um, I've I found already a couple that a couple of people that I've talked to. Um, I had to change my own idea of what the little guy is because there are there are people. I'm sure if I've just quickly discovered two of them, um, discovery is the wrong word. But I I I came to meet a couple who have they're full time um doing very well just with their art that is very very it's a very small niche group of people that buy this art um but they do their thing they don't market it and so the world i might say doesn't know so there are a handful of collectors that are almost this so it's almost like having a job where you work for one person so all your eggs are in that basket it's not to that extreme but I, I was surprised that, um, and I guess it's because so far they haven't needed that, but in, even though they aren't a little guy in the sense that they're making a living on just one very particular type of art, uh, there's who knows what the upper bounds are without much extra effort, just from a little bit of distribution and, uh, and amplification, who knows? Yeah, I love the fact that you're not only focusing on photography, but you're focusing on writing, poetry, you know, art, everything else. I love all that, all that encompassed in being creative. That's that's so cool. I can't wait to see it come out. So when do you think you'll have it come out? Um, the first one was supposed to be done by Valentine's Day, uh, which is now behind us. Um, so shame on me. Uh, I'll say soon. How's that? Soon. <laughs> How are yeah, you going to market it? You'll you'll be one of the first people to know. I'll I'll send you uh, I'll send you the copy of the first one because part of the delay was because of the snow that's happened, uh, and then also some of the people that were overseas overseas for me uh, in in uh, Europe and beyond um, who expressed interest. It's just we need just to get our schedules aligned, um, and then this this project has a little more um, pre planning involved because on on the participant side they need to be set up not just by having an app on their phone, but they need to have some type of lighting. They need to have some type of stability for their phone. Um, some, some pre-planning on uh, where they're going to be um, and the background, you know, that sort of thing. So it's a little, it's going to be a little bit more involved than Corona coupling. Um, and then as far as, as the writing goes, um, that's going to be a combination. It's, and I'm also going to incorporate um some very old um like hundreds of years old uh in some cases things that string together with uh these ideas around displays of affection oh wow now now you intrigued me on that one what <laughs> an example of one of the things that are 100 years old i'll give you an example so here's one example uh love poems did not just start being written in the last couple of years or love stories. So there, there is an awful lot of material out in the world um, that's been cataloged that uh, 
it would be fantastic to see the light of day. And I, I like the idea of creative combinations. So one way I've done this, um, it, it, I'm not the only person that does this, but with photography, you, you'll often see um, a little bit of bodyscape next to a little bit of landscape. So a, a person's bot, their side might look like a tree or um, the top of their head looks like the top of a leaf. Um, but one, th I like those ideas around creative combinations, especially if it involves something that's not super apparent. So if you can put an image that when you look at that image, it's okay, I, I understand what is in that photograph, but then you read this short story or this poem mm -hmm. uh, or a bumper sticker over here, suddenly this image has whole new meaning. Suddenly you're smirking at this one or you're blushing. Um, so I, I like playing around with those types of combinations. So that's, I, I imagine doing that kind of thing um, just like any good propaganda artist would do uh, to try to nudge behavior or get a particular outcome. So in my case, the outcome that I'm looking for is uh, smiles and winks and smirks and, and blushes. Mm. So how can people get involved with this um, digital magazine? I am going to, uh, add information about that to the website. So uh, andymadethis.com is going to be the best place to go. Um, and then they can always reach me directly, uh, either from that the, from that site on, you can see, um, I put on, on purpose, you can see my name is spelled with the at symbol before my last name purposefully because that's an easy way to find me on social channels. So um, I guess for, for what we're talking about, Instagram would be the easiest one. So it's just my last name. It's at Baino. But andymadethis.com is going to be an easy place to go. Okay. And, and I, yeah, I welcome. Thanks for asking that. I, I uh, welcome people to reach out and ask uh, if they can participate. And I will say, yes, I would be delighted. So what are you particularly looking for? Just anybody? Or are there specific guidelines? Um. I will put in, when I update the website with this information, I'll give a little bit of a framework. I do not want to limit people's imagination. What I do want people thinking is in terms of uh, affection. So I will give a couple of nudges to help some people want a little bit of uh, mm -hmm. guidance with that sort of thing. So I will, um, I will start that uh, by giving a handful of examples, but I don't, I don't want to say, Here's where I draw the line because I, I've already, there were a couple of people already who surprised me with things that I wouldn't have thought of. So hmm. if there's, if you're, if you are a clothing designer, I guarantee there is something, there is a way uh, to make this part of a public display of affection uh, or private or personal. Um, there, if you are looking for, uh, if you're looking to break out into fashion, uh, there, there's absolutely uh, an opportunity. Those are, those are kind of obvious ones. Um, mm -hmm. And then it, with, when it's other products that don't involve other people, you know, it's, it's inanimate objects, uh, there, there's ways to do that too, because we gift those kinds of things often. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I'm afraid if I keep talking on it, I'm going to limit people's imaginations. I want I want people to uh, to keep an open mind on on how they're how the things that they're making, um, whether it's written or it's digital or it's a physical thing, uh, all of that. Uh, if if they think on it, I bet they can come up with a way of how that's um, 
how that's some type of display of affection. And of course, I guess the obvious one back to public displays of affection, like when I'm walking the streets with a camera at my hip, uh, if, if you want to set up a remote shoot with you and your significant other, um, and you've got a playful idea for that, then yes, uh, I, I'm all ears. And you're not even only not limited to you taking the pictures, you're willing to do other photographers as well? Absolutely, yes. I, I, I realize that a lot of people are uncomfortable setting up their own remote shoot. And so... Um, and, and there are also a lot of people that are interested in that, especially people who want to break out, whether it's clothing design or modeling, there are a lot of people who want to become more comfortable with that. Um, so that is, that's something that I'm certainly uh, willing to help with. Um, I'm also, I'm getting ready to uh, put together a course on exactly that because one of the things that I learned after getting quarantined with over 50 models <laughs> last year, um, was that a lot of people want to be able to be their own photographer. So they want to be mm -hmm. able to set things up in such a way that they are, they're, they're able to stand out and not just be person who posts another selfie, but mm -hmm. to be able to set up something that looks like a photographer was there and even better has some type of narrative that strings through. So maybe they have, instead of just three selfies with an awkward angle of the phone, it's three images that tie together either with a visual narrative where you can tell from one thing to the next what's happening in that series or with just a little bit of text underneath um, gives some amplification to to those stories. So that's something that's that's in the works is teaching people how to how to be their own kind of model, photographer, producer. And then basically eliminate your job all together, right? <laughs> it, it will, it will in some cases, there's always going to be a, a room. The same is true for marketing efforts that I do. There's always going to be um, the audience that wants to learn to do something themselves and then they'll go do it. And then there's the other group of people that just want you to do it. And so both, both of those will always exist. Wow. I just love this. And before we hop off, is there any last thing that you want to leave us with? Yes. Uh, I'm glad you asked this. I think that's the third time I've said, I'm, I'm glad you asked. You have good questions, Melissa. Um, you should just make stuff, just make, um, I don't like, I don't like using the phrase trial and error. Um, I, I stole this from someone and I can't remember, uh, who said this. It may have been David Lynch. I don't know, but iterate, just iterate. Um, it's, it's not about trial and error. It's you do something, and then you change it a little bit. Uh, you keep some of it the same and you do something else a little bit differently, but don't wait for permission to make things and produce things and share things or even sell things. Just, just do it. I love that. That's a whole, I don't know if you know anything about the way this podcast and this, the stream yard, the, the lives and everything that I do came about, but it came about because of COVID and I was always scared to be in front of the camera. And I was like, you know what? I miss that personal connection I'm meeting so many interesting people. So this is how Chats in the Block Cabin came about was I just did it. I didn't even think about it. Love it. I'm glad to hear it. Well, Andy, I want to thank you so much for being on today. I mean, you have given me a lot to think about. I actually a lot in my head going on a lot of different people that I'm going to send your way for that digital magazine. And I would love to be involved as well. If you could see a way for Ab me to be involved. Absolutely. Can't wait. Thanks for having me, Melissa. I appreciate it. All right, guys, we will see you on the next chat from the blog cabin.
Bye. Wow, that was such a great interview with Andy. I really enjoyed chatting with him and I enjoyed just basically listening to the concepts that he has and all the major concepts. And you can all obviously tell he has such a passion for his work. And so I'm looking forward to um, seeing what else he does in his life. And he gave me a lot of great ideas. And that's one of the things that I love about Chats from the Blog Cabin is it sparks my creativity. I don't know if it sparks yours. I hope it does. Um, thank you so much for being part of the podcast family. Please leave a rating, review, subscribe, wherever you listen to. Also, if you go over to YouTube, hit that subscribe button on Chats from the Blog Cabin and just let me know how I'm doing. And thank you guys once again. Be blessed. And remember, keep chatting.